0: Welcome to the Concord Online Podcast. Each week, we're going to be bringing you sermons from Concord to be a resource for you to live on mission with us, to inspire people to follow Jesus. Let me just tell you briefly, you know, a couple years ago, uh, we started just, folks started saying, hey, have y'all ever prayed about Jefferson City? And so we'll start, well, we're open to praying for anyone, anything. And, and it's been amazing over the last couple of years how Uh, the lord has brought people and has brought timing and has brought all these things together even how he's prepared drew and folks that are going to surround Drew, like it's going to be a wonderful journey together and so we're excited about seeing what the lord will do they're going to start having more of those gatherings and bible studies and when it gets ready to launch as a church we'll uh, come back together and celebrate that as well so uh, so thankful for Drew and Ariel and their team they have made a major difference in our student ministry and so Drew's transitioning away from being in the student ministry to lead this new journey this congregation and uh, man it's a wonderful step for the UDs a wonderful step for our church and just be in prayer of who's God bringing next to Uh, serve in that middle school pastor role that Drew was serving in uh, under the leadership of our student pastor, Sam Midget. So be in prayer for that, but it's an exciting, exciting time um, to see how the Lord's gonna continue to expand our, our reach of inspiring people to follow Jesus. Grab your Bible and if you wanna go ahead and head there, Psalm 30 is where we'll be today. Well, Psalm 30, we are in a series of sermons that we've talked about audacious prayers. If you've noticed, each one of these weeks, we've actually studied a prayer. So the text of the sermon has been an audacious prayer as we learn how to pray audacious prayers. Does that make sense? And so whether we've talked about kind of what we've done each week is we kind of worked in the background behind the prayer that was prayed to understand why it was prayed, how it was prayed, and like what the author's goal of that prayer was. And, and today's no different. We're here at Psalm 30, and, and we're going to talk about finding some freedom from strongholds. And when we say even the word strongholds, most of us, if we have a stronghold, we kind of get anxious, right? Like we, Many of us we, who have strongholds, we're not blind to the stronghold. We don't know how to get out of the stronghold. And, and there's freedom today from the sin that entangles us, that long-suffering, long journey of sin that is called a, a stronghold. You see, what strongholds do is, is strongholds, they're, they're sinful patterns in our lives that keep us from walking in the freedom that we can find in Christ. The strongholds of our lives are only broken by audacious prayers, but at the same time, it's the strongholds that keep us from praying audacious prayers while we're bound up in the stronghold. Like it's this, this cycle or race of, of insanity if you live a life bound by strongholds. The the, the word stronghold is found once in the New Testament and it's used many times by the Apostle Paul metaphorically describing our spiritual battle. L- listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 10. The scripture says, Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. See the picture? Like this divine power to Destroy strongholds is what we receive from God, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So like in your mind's eye, picture it today, like Paul seeing the Christian wearing his spiritual armor, bearing spiritual weapons, setting out to conquer the world, but he soon finds obstacles in his way. That the enemy has taken up fortified positions in his soul to withstand the advancement of truth like that that's what the spiritual battle is it's it's we want to wear the armor of Christ we want to advance the mission of God we in our heart of hearts know that we want to follow Jesus but we come up against this opposition and these strongholds of the enemy and we don't know what to do with them like most of us when we look at our strongholds like they feel so overwhelming how could I ever get out of this But I want you to see today from God's word in Psalm 30 that what God has done in and through Jesus and how God has made himself noble to us is sufficient to overcome your stronghold. You know, all of our strongholds are different because all of our weaknesses are different. Do not be confused today. The enemy, he attacks you where you're weak. He's not fighting strength for strength. He knows where you're weak and he will exploit your weakness and what he desires to do is to establish a fortified position in the midst of your weakness, that he might exploit your weakness to crush the work of the Spirit in you. What we must wrestle with today is how then are we going to overcome these strongholds to pray audacious prayers and walk in the freedom that God desires to give us? Stand with me and let's study the first five verses of Psalm 30. Psalm 30, verse 1 through 5. The scripture says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought, you've brought up my soul from Sheol, You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord. O you, his saints, give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. These five verses at the beginning of Psalm 30 teach us so much about changing our perspective when it comes to addressing our our strongholds you see this psalm was written by David if you read in the heading it's talking about the dedication of the temple there's a lot of discussion amongst theologians is Psalm 30 referring to the declaration of or the dedication of the temple or Maybe the palace to where David lived, because we understand that the temple wasn't built at this time. And so maybe it's talking about the king's residence that David built in Second Samuel chapter five. But what we know Psalm 30 is is his reflection upon a season to where David's sinfulness and his flesh ran away with him. Most likely, what was running away with David was his pride and his self-sufficiency. He He was able to build such an incredible edifice. He was able to build such a credible temple and palace, like like all these things that he was able to accomplish, and he was feeling very self-confident. I mean, if you look down in verse 6 of chapter 30, he says, you know, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. I mean, David here is acknowledging to us for the rest of the chapter, like, like his success had become intoxicating to him, and it had caused great spiritual harm in his life. He's looking back at all of the difficulty and suffering that he endured in his prosperity. That seems like an illogical statement that I can endure difficulty and suffering in my prosperity. But what David is acknowledging here is that while he was prosperous externally, internally, his heart was dark. And there are many of us who could probably testify to this truth. Man, on the outside, everything's going so great. Man, our business is growing, our family is succeeding, like we're moving up and up and up, but, but our hearts are still dark because we have some fortified positions of the enemy that is crushing the work of the Spirit in us. And so what Psalm 30 is, Psalm 30 is David's declaration of a perspective change. This new perspective that David is taking upon all that has happened to him has increased the thanksgiving in his heart for the sustaining power of the Lord to enable him to accomplish what he's accomplished and endure the hardship that he has. It was a perspective change for David in Psalm 30. No longer is it look what I have accomplished now it's look what the Lord has done through me. And so now it's not David's strength and it's not David's ability, but it's the Lord's work in him. And this is the perspective change that we need if we want freedom from our strongholds. It's not that it's me against the world, it's the power of God in me and through me that makes the difference in the world. It's not that I can do it, it's that he can do it. It's not that maybe this will work out for me, it's that it has been declared it will work out for him and so I get on his page. You see, What David is doing is he's changing his perspective. He's beginning to see how significant his sin really is to his heart's condition before the Lord. Many times we think, well, this is just a little sin. It's not a big deal. But the scripture helps us see that it was sin that separated us from God. It was sin that caused Jesus to die listen to this statement with your heart today. You've heard it a million times with your ears and you understand it in your mind, but maybe today listen to it with your heart. Our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. That's the significance of sin, that the Son of God had to willingly lay his life down and die to bear the penalty of my sin and your sin. And so until we change our perspective and begin to, Have some thankfulness for what God has done. We will always struggle with our strongholds because we will always attack our strongholds from the perspective of what can I do to fix this instead of what can God do to transform me. So, if I want freedom from my strongholds and I want to change my perspective, what does it look like? First, notice with me in verse 1 that we need to trust that God is bigger than our problems, trust that God is bigger than our problems look at verse one when david says you know i will extol you like i will worship you O lord for you have drawn me up and not let my foes rejoice he's like you have drawn me up it gives the mental picture of being stranded at the bottom of a well from there was no way out and that someone lifted him up that means that David at one time was cast down into the well. He's like, man, I've been to the pit. He would even say that in verse three, like from among those who go down to the pit, he's, he's not speaking of a place he's heard about, but a place he knows so well. See that David is not ignoring his sin in this moment. He's worshiping the Lord for the forgiveness of sin that he's experienced. He's saying, you've drawn me out. You have changed my life. You have transformed my soul. Like this is the picture of a man who is completely overwhelmed by the grace and mercy of God. This is the picture of someone who understands the severity of his sin and is not sweeping it under the rug, but recognizes he was drawn out from that pit. And if I'm going to get free from my strongholds today, then I've got to understand what Jesus does is he draws me out. I've got to change my perspective because I'm no longer identifying in the sin that has entangled me, but I'm now identified as one who has been rescued by the God of the universe who sent his son to die in my place. It's a new perspective. It's a, it's a change in the way we think. I mean, David here is like, like you drew me up. You, you rescued me. David felt that the pit that he found himself in the darkness of soul, the strongholds in his life, the self-confidence and self-sufficiency. He thought, well, this must be it. There must be nothing else to life. And many of us, we have felt that way. You know, adulting might not feel like it's all crack- what I, you thought it was cracked up to be. The responsibilities thereof, you know, like you've seen those people wearing those T-shirts, like done adulting today. I'm like, come on, man. How does that make your kid feel, you know? But it's like, like, I'm just done with this. There's so many responsibilities. There's so much stuff. And that we get our mindset of like, this is just the way it is. But friends, if this is just the way it is, cannot also be described by the peace and joy that Jesus can give, you're not living in the way it is or should be. Because the way it is, the way it should be, the way Jesus desires it to be, is that you have great trust in him, that he is bigger than your issues, and you're filled with his peace and his joy that sustains you through whatever you're enduring, and you're complete and found at home in the very presence of God. And so if that doesn't describe you, if that is not the sole condition of your life, man, come to Jesus and let him fill you. So I've got to trust that God is bigger than my problems and, and that isn't just the way it is to be stuck at the bottom of a pit because he wants to draw us out. He will never fail us. He will always sustain us. He cares for us. He wants you to bring to him your burdens that he might bear your burden. That is not the description of someone who is left in the bottom of a pit, but that is the description of someone who's been drawn out by the victory of God. Listen to how the scripture echoes this time and time again in Psalm 55, verse 22. The Bible says, cast your burden to the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Man, when I'm drawn out of that pit, when I find freedom from my stronghold, I can cast my burdens to him and he's gonna sustain me because he'll never let the righteous be moved. Or how about Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. The scripture says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Like, you've got a God that is not mad at you and is not trying to even the score with you, but a God who is rich in grace and mercy who is going to cover your mess and still give you good gifts. You've not exhausted God's grace today. Trust that God is bigger than your problems. Be drawn up and found in him. He cares for you. He wants to give you good gifts. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You do not have to be crushed by the temptations of your flesh. When you're drawn out, you see the way of escape. When your feet are planted firmly in the gospel of Christ, like like you're able to endure the temptations. You're not defined by them. You're defined by Christ. And he will give you the way of escape. How about 1 Peter 5, verse 7? The scripture says that you can cast all, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Like this is the picture, this is the foundation for those who are no longer in the pit but are worshiping God, verse one, because they have been drawn out. This is the picture of someone whose foes are not rejoicing over them. This is the picture of what it looks like when we truly are transformed. It's this understanding that we are not a burden to God but he deeply loves us and he's earned the ability for us to put our trust in him. You say, how did he earn that ability? He died in our place and rescued us through Jesus. Listen to Romans chapter five, verse three. The scripture says, not only that, but we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. You say, why do I feel like I'm stuck in the pit? Because God is working in you that you might hope in him. And that's what it looks like to trust that he's bigger than our problems. That I hope in him. Hoping in God is not the hope so. Hoping in God is not the roll of the dice. Hoping in God is not good luck or the ball bouncing our way. Hoping in God is confidence and certainty that he has accomplished a work that is significant enough for me to give my life to. Trust that God is bigger than your problem. Second, trust that God can bring life out of what looks like death. Trust that God can bring life out of what looks like death. Verse two, like see, see the desperation here. I cried, you healed me. You brought me up from Sheol. You restored me from among those who go down to the pit. Like trusting that God can bring life out of what looks like death really is confronting face to face the stronghold that we're enduring look some of us when we sit at the bottom of the mountain looking at a stronghold all we see is death if you're bound up in alcoholism today and the thought of you abstaining from alcohol feels like how do i even survive this if, if you're enslaved to an addiction today, like you, you look at that addiction and you're like, like how, how do I live without this pill? Or how do I live without this experience? Or how do I live without these things? But what we see David understanding is that when we cry to God for help, he heals. Like only God can heal your soul. We're watching social experiment after social experiment. We're watching people try to find healing for their soul in so many ways. In every way other than Christ is insufficient. It's insufficient no matter what society tells you, no matter what new and breaking scientific research say, no matter what pill is approved by the FDA, like all of those things are insufficient for ultimate healing. Only Christ can do that. So that's why David's like, I cried out to you. It looked like death. It looked like I wouldn't survive. I was in this pit, but you healed me. He says it again, verse verse three, you brought me up. You restored to me life. Like this is what God does. God heals and God restores. He heals us as he forgives us. Forgiveness of sin is ultimate healing from sin. Like you might be able to cover your sin in the eyes of other people, but you can never cover your sin in the eyes of the Lord. And so you bring to the Lord your sin, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I bring to him my sin through confession and he heals me Ultimately and completely. they like understand, like, God's not sitting in heaven with some kind of scorecard of your sins today. When your sins are covered by Jesus, they are washed and you are cleansed. Second service, we're going to baptize seven people. It's going to be a dunk fest on both sides. Tidal waves for Jesus. It's going to be awesome, right? So, like, what baptism symbolizes. Yeah, let's praise the Lord for those seven that will be baptized next hour. Like, what baptism symbolizes is wow, why we're, we're so convicted about baptism by immersion is you go down under the water and it's a symbol of dying to sin and you're going down under the water one way and you come up out of the water new in Jesus like it's this picture of what happens when we are forgiven that we go down and God cleanses us and we come up brand new now the secret is like that's just Tennessee water right and and the tanks they are like hot tubs they warm up and so it's not cold water, it's just regular old water. So the power is not in the water. Because if the power was in the water, you'd have it not have it in our homes. The power's not in the water. The powers in the symbol of what Christ has done in us. That's right. Like that's what healing is. Healing is forgiveness. Healing is new life. He- healing is, is a new identity that we're now children of God. And what healing does is healing. Now look at verse three. Like, Lord, you've brought me up my soul from Sheol, that place of separation from God, and you restored to me life. So the healing that Christ gives, verse two, is life through Jesus Christ, verse three. Like, ultimate healing is not just overcoming your stronghold. Ultimate healing is coming alive in Christ, So many times we think, well, I just gotta get over this. You need more than to get over your sin. You need the life of Jesus. Like so many times we we live in this middle ground, this mushy middle of thinking, well, I'm not as much of a sinner as I used to be, but are you as alive to Christ as you can be? So many times we think, well, I just don't wanna be a sinner like I used to be. But the real question is, are you alive in Christ like you can be? That's how I trust that God can bring life out of what looks like death. It's not that I come into my life, it's that I come into his life. That's right. And this is where I find freedom. So my audacious prayer is a prayer, God, it's not me, it's you in me. So will you get more of you in me and show me how to get out of me what's messing you up? I mean, that, that's how I pray that. I'm like, God, get out of me the stuff that's keeping you from getting in me. So get that stuff out and get more of you in me and hurry up, please you know it's like 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 lord come on like let's do that's living the life of christ it's less of me and more of you and it's this restoration that he restores me to life the restoring power is what jesus did on the cross like what jesus did was jesus shed his blood so that our sins could be covered and we could be reconciled don't don't forget that God's original intent and design was pure fellowship with man. Before sin entered the world, we had the presence of God. We lived in fellowship with God and we enjoyed our God. Genesis three, sin enters the world and it separates us from God. And what God did through Jesus was he reconciled us. He made it so that we can go back again. I can remember in high school, they taught us something that I don't think they teach anymore. They taught us how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> they also told us that we would not always walk around with a calculator in our, in our pockets. Thank you, Steve Jobs. You know, it's like, now with our phones, we've oh, we all got a calculator in our pocket, and now with those banking apps, you can reconcile it in the moment, can't you? But I can remember, you know, you have to put the deposit line, you're in the debit line, and I would always get those confused, and. I, and my checking, checkbook will be so off or oh the, I mean remember when it was such a big deal if you forgot to write it down oh hold on teenagers checks there are pieces of paper <laughs> that have your bank account on the bottom and you don't give those out to people and you have to write a two line and you put the put the date on it and you put the number of the check and then you actually have to write it out like you know, 100, and like it's super confusing. And don't forget the, you know, however many cents over 100, and a line to the end. And they even have some called travelers checks, and they just blow your mind. Okay, so, so it's like, it's like, like we know the idea of reconciling our checkbook, but yet for some reason we can't quite get our minds around that that's what god does in jesus christ reconciliation leads to restoration restoration leads to life oh man Find freedom from your stronghold today by trusting that God is bigger than your problem. Find freedom from your stronghold today by trusting that God can bring life out of what looks like death because he reconciles and restores. He wants to heal you from your sin to restore you to his life that you might live the life of Christ. And finally today, we gotta trust God or trust that God's love disciplines but does not destroy trust that god's love disciplines but does not destroy like notice what happens here he's like he's like hey you've healed me verse 2 you've restored me verse 3 verse 4 sing praises to the lord o you saints give thanks to his holy name his anger is for a moment but his favor is a lifetime weeping may tarry for the night but joy comes with the morning like there is a distinct change in David in verses four, five, and six. Like a, dis- a distinct change in him that, that he's given testimony and he's celebrating his deliverance. Why? Because he's experienced that the Lord's anger lasts for a moment. He knows what it's like to be under the heavy hand of conviction from the Lord. He knows what it's like for the prophet to walk in and say, you blew it. Like he knows what it's like to be in the pit and to stay there. And he's helping us see that the discipline of the Lord, it is convicting. It is difficult. No one likes it, but it is there for a moment. And joy comes in the morning because our God does not dwell on our sin. He calls us to light and life. Like, like see this picture. So many of us, we think God's mad. God is not mad at you. God hates sin and loves you, and he calls you out of your sin into his life. And this is what I trust and I know about the Lord, that he doesn't leave me in the pit. He didn't leave me in the darkness. He didn't leave me in the night. He brings joy in the morning. The same God who disciplines us for our sin in the morning is there with a hand reached out, ready to walk with us in a new day. Man, mean, God doesn't keep score. God doesn't hold grudges. He wants to bring to you his joy. And so David's response is to sing praise. Now, I, I think some of this is, is just who David is. I mean, you know, David was a, a guy who loved to worship the Lord. He was a singer. Um, he was a dancer, so we know he wasn't Baptist. But, he, you know, he, was like, he loved to, like, do those things to celebrate Right? He, he, he worshipped the Lord, and so what he's doing in verse 4 is he's calling all the people to sing of the praise. Like, like It's not just personal, it's also corporate. And he's trying to fill what God has removed with praise. Like that, that's what David's doing in this moment. Like he's like, he's like, Lord, you have healed me and you have restored me. So I'm not leaving this crater or pit in my soul. I'm filling it with praise. It's this idea of like, like when the Lord roots out strongholds in our life, we have to fill that back with something of value spiritually. Listen to Matthew chapter 12. The story of Matthew 12, 43 says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it passes through the waterless places seeking rest but finds none then it says i will return to my house from which i came and when it comes it founds finds the house empty swept and put in order then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there the last state of that person is worse than the first so it will be with this evil generation like what picture is being painted in matthew 12 So in Matthew 12, the person eradicates the evil spirit, it goes and then it returns and it finds the house tidy but not filled. And so then seven stronger, he's like I'm gonna go get more and we're all gonna make this nicer house our home. And the person is worse off after than even before. Wh- what is he talking about? Look like the spiritual principle that's over and over and over in, in scripture it's here in verses 4 and 5 it's there in Matthew 12 it's other places in Romans and you can even argue at some places like at the end of the New Testament in Timothy's writings but the principle here is when i root sin out and Jesus takes it away i've got to replace what was rooted out with spiritual filling or the enemy will fill that void again in my life. H- have you ever tried to kick a habit and made it for a little while but didn't make it ultimately? Same thing, man. If you don't replace that, you'll go right back into that. It's just that you know, I'm trying to kick this habit. So I'm going to you know, do these things and I'm going to stop doing this. Oh, okay, great. But what are you doing that is redeeming and restoring That is filling those yearnings in your soul. Because your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. It's going to chase those things. So, what are you doing that is letting you live the life of Christ in the place of the stronghold that ensnared you? That's where you gotta find the freedom, man. Like, this is the hard work that so many of us neglect. We just want to say, well, God takes care of it and I wash it away. But there's still a crater of sin. Like sin leaves its effects on our soul. It leaves a mark on you. Don't think just because Jesus forgives you and cleanses you that you don't still see the mark. He transforms you and he takes it away and he forgives you. But we bear the marks of sin. And the question becomes, is the leading mark in my life sin's fruit or the fruit of the spirit of God? Like what marks me most? I'm marked by sin. And if I know Christ, I'm marked by Christ. But sometimes my marks of sin are overtaken or more bold than my marks of Christ because I've got this pit that I've let fill back in with sinful things. And what I must do is fill the strongholds of my life with the spirit of God. So the overwhelming mark of my life is the life of Jesus. And this is where I find freedom. This is where I find joy. David said joy comes in the morning. How could joy, verse 5, come in the morning? Because verse 4, he's singing praises to God, and he's filling the void that sin has occupied with worship and praise of God. And what I love about David, he's not like, well, I'm just going to go worship the Lord. He's like, all you peoples, let's go. We need, It's time to go. Like, everybody, we're going to worship the Lord. Like, David was so overwhelmed with the mercy of God that it overflowed out of him and he wanted everybody else to know that mercy. You see, David's work in evangelism was not out of duty, but it was because of what God had done in him. And if you want to be free, and if you want to inspire people to follow Jesus, and you wanna be usable in the kingdom of heaven, that's gotta be your story too. I was once marked by sin, but now, I've been brought to life, healed of my sin, and marked by Christ. And Christ so fills my life that I just want everybody to know where they can find the healing power of Jesus. Hey, hey, listen to me. That is really living. And that is the freedom of God. Like the most free person in this room is not the one who has it all figured out but the one who's living the life of Christ and overwhelmed by his peace and his joy. Live Christ's life today. Fill in your strongholds. Get free from this and pray audacious prayers as we see in Psalm 30. Thanks for joining us this week on the Concord online podcast. Do you have any questions surrounding today's sermon, or simply want to learn more, you can do so at concordonline.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with each weekly release.